We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 527 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Tuesday, March 14th, 2023, the day after a busy, a very busy day one of the NFL's legal tempering period for the commanders. Oh, our commanders, they were tempering. Uh, they were tempering quite a bit. Three free agent acquisitions in addition to a re-signing, in addition to another re-signing that became official, in addition to a very intriguing waiver acquisition. Six different moves by the commanders on Monday. Uh, as we have been discussing on the podcast, so many big money free agent signings fail. Uh, the real value in NFL free agency is in mid-level and lower tier contracts. And what the commanders did on Monday was not go bonkers. No, they aggressively pursued and achieved mid-level and lower tier deals with guys in their 20s at positions of need. I like this. This is a smart, low-risk, and high upside strategy. Doesn't guarantee anything, okay? Maybe all of these guys end up not being good players for the commanders. But you know what? Even if that wound up being the case, these would not be expensive mistakes. Expensive free agent mistakes hurt you. Mid-level and lower tier free agent mistakes, not so much. And if the signings do work out, well, you have great value. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. We will do our best to provide you with great value on this show. No Washington, D.C. sports podcast or show covers the commanders like this podcast does. And coming up on the show, in-depth reaction to and analysis of all that the commanders did on Monday, which was day one of the NFL's legal tampering period, which started at noon Eastern and will last until Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, which is when the NFL's new league year begins. And that is when NFL teams officially can sign unrestricted and restricted free agents from other teams and can execute trades. Next segment, I will discuss the beginning of the rebuild of the commander's offensive line. A lot of work needs to be done, as we all know. Uh, the commanders on Monday afternoon reportedly agreed on contracts with two unrestricted free agent offensive linemen, guard slash tackle Andrew Wiley and center slash guard Nick Gates. Yes, two guys who can play multiple positions on the offensive line. Did someone say position flex? 
position flex. Yeah, yes, an all-time favorite phrase of our commander's head coach, Ron Rivera. So I'm going to talk about two significant additions to the commander's offensive line, and then I'll get into a whole lot that went down on Monday afternoon regarding the commander's defense. They reportedly agreed on a contract with unrestricted free agent linebacker Cody Barton. Uh, they claimed corner Cam Dantzler Sr. off waivers from the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the commanders reportedly agreed to re-sign unrestricted free agent corner Danny Johnson. And the commanders officially announced having signed interior defensive lineman Duran Payne to a contract extension. And Duran, during a virtual press conference on Monday afternoon, said some interesting things about last offseason. Commentary on all of this is forthcoming. And if all of that wasn't enough, I also have a great guest for you, the greatest head coach in Maryland basketball history, Gary Williams. So he'll be with me on the show to talk Terrapins in preparation for their run in the NCAA tournament. Maryland is an eight seed, will face nine seeded West Virginia at Legacy Arena at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex in Birmingham, Alabama, Thursday afternoon at 12.15 in the very first game of the Thursday of the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, coach will Talk to us about the Terps' surprising season, uh, their defense, their offense, the play of Jameer Young, Julian Reese, and Dante Scott, uh, what the Terps are facing in West Virginia, uh, West Virginia's head coach, Bob Huggins, a.k.a. Huggy Bear, uh, and a lot about the current state of college basketball. Gary Williams coming up later in the show. If you are a Maryland fan, trust me. You do not want to miss this. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jimmy in Greenbelt, Maryland on Maryland basketball's defense. Writes Jimmy, watching the Gophers get shut down made me wonder outside of the two three-point sharpshooters for Penn State who got hot in the second half in the last game of the regular season. It seems like the Terps have shut down most premier scorers who the team has been facing lately. Thoughts? Uh, thank you for the email, Jimmy. Yeah, the Terps defense has been the team's biggest strength this season. You know, there have been a few disappointing performances on Monday's show. Episode 526 talked about the Terps uh, getting worked by Indiana's Trace Jackson Davis and their loss to the Hoosiers late night on Friday night in the quarters of the Big Ten tournament at the United Center in Chicago. But yeah, the Terps in their previous game, the 70-54 win over Minnesota late night on Thursday night, uh, held Minnesota's top two scorers, Dawson Garcia and Jamison Battle, to a combined eight points. And look, the Gophers, not good, but still, Garcia and Battle, the team's top two scorers, held to a combined eight points. Maryland's three-point shooting is a big question, but Maryland's defense is not a big question. The Terps are number 33 in Division One in KenPalm.com's adjusted defensive efficiency, which is points allowed per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. Although what's also interesting is that the Terps are number 35 in Division One in KenPalm.com's adjusted offensive efficiency, which is points scored per 100 possessions adjusted for opponents. That is surprising given the Terps' bad three-point shooting. Maryland this season has shot just 33% on threes, but the Terps have done well on twos, 52% on twos. And the Terps have played with pace enough to where they have had a good number of games in which the team has scored in the 70s, 80s, and even 90s. Uh, lots more on the Terps with the great Gary Williams later in the show. Email from Jeffrey Southworth on Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson, who the Ravens have uh, slapped 
with the non-exclusive franchise tag, which allows for him to sign an offer sheet with another team and be traded. And uh, Lamar continues to come up as someone who the commanders should target. Writes Jeffrey, I hope all is well, my friend. I've been thinking a lot about Lamar Jackson's situation and how it could or should impact our commanders and the Ravens, but most importantly, the rest of the NFL. Lamar Jackson has an incredibly impressive resume in the league, MVP, playoff berths, and more. So why are so many teams publicly out on him? I understand most of the arguments I hear, young yet aging quarterback who relies on his legs. He has come up short in the postseason. He has missed time and all of the other surrounding arguments. This is not my original idea, but it came up in a conversation with my good friend Kelvin, and I thought it was interesting enough to pass on. Our tinfoil theory slash reason for the current Lamar situation and lack of pursuit and interest, he has no agent. He represents himself. Is it possible that Lamar Jackson representing himself is the reason that teams are not interested in him. It feels like a trend of self-representation and demand for guaranteed money could very well be around the corner for a lot of other players. Are owners colluding against Jackson? Are owners fearful that players may be in a position to have a certain kind of power? What I do know is quarterback rookie contracts remain the holy grail, and I hope that we stay the course with Sam Howell. Uh, Thank you for the email, Jeffrey. Well, look, man, anything is possible, okay? We have had collusion in professional sports before, so to think that we could never have collusion again would be naive. But the problem with this collusion theory for what's going on with Lamar Jackson is that you know, the theory presumes that all 32 NFL teams are working together. That in an NFL that is ultra competitive and in which the difference between winning and losing can be worth millions of dollars, teams are willing to forfeit the chance at acquiring the most coveted commodity in the league, a franchise quarterback in Lamar Jackson, for the purpose of sending a message to other players, the overwhelming majority of whom do have agents. I do not think that players representing themselves in contract negotiations is going to become a trend. I do think that there is something to NFL owners being worried about star players, really star quarterbacks commanding more fully guaranteed money in contracts. This is why so many people in the NFL despise that contract that the Cleveland Browns gave quarterback Deshaun Watson a five-year, $230 million contract that is fully guaranteed. But I really do think that the Deshaun contract is an outlier. I still cannot believe <laughs> that the Browns gave Deshaun that deal, considering that Deshaun already was under contract for years to come. Deshaun, in September 2020, had signed a contract extension that took him through the 2025 season. And, of course, Deshaun had faced 24 civil lawsuits for alleged sexual misconduct during massage appointments. Uh, with Lamar Jackson, to whatever extent NFL teams are hesitant to go after him, I think that that's about two things. Uh, number one, the cost. Huge, right? Multiple first round picks and a mega money contract that would have to include hundreds of millions of dollars in guaranteed money. Number two, Lamar over the last two seasons has missed substantial time due to injury. He's missed five games in each of the last two regular seasons due to injury. That is significant. I don't blame an NFL owner or an NFL team for not, you know, jumping at the chance to give up multiple first round picks and pay hundreds of millions of dollars in guaranteed money to a guy who has missed five games in each of the last two regular seasons due to injury. Like to me, that's not collusion. Uh, That is prudent, logical thinking. Now, 
I still think that you can justify giving up all it would take to get Lamar because he is a franchise quarterback. And when he is healthy and good, he is spectacular. But an NFL team going all in on trying to get Lamar Jackson is not the slam dunk yes that some people think that it should be. And for further confirmation of that, uh, think about this. Why haven't the Ravens, who know Lamar better than any NFL team, already gotten a multi-year contract extension with him done. Like, why haven't the Ravens gone all in on locking up Lamar if doing so is such an obvious yes? If we all agree that the Ravens are a smart team and their track record would suggest that they are a smart team, then why haven't they just paid Lamar whatever it takes to get him to sign a contract extension? And so if the Ravens haven't done that, then why should another NFL team do that? But I tell you... <laughs> The Lamar to the Commanders thing is not going away. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk is like obsessed with this, okay? He keeps talking and tweeting about Dan Snyder and like one final act is Washington owner trading for Lamar Jackson and signing him to an absurd contract that ruins the quarterback market for the rest of the NFL owners. Florio is like fixated with Dan. I tell you, if slash when the Danny sells the Commanders, I bet that that's a sad day for Mike Florio. Because as much as he says that he despises Dan, Florio talks about Dan so much and has used Dan as a reason to just crush the team for years to where I bet that Florio ends up missing the Danny. We won't miss Dan, but Mike Florio just might. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, a big help is if you subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast via most platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. A subscription to the pod costs you nothing. Make sure that you never miss an episode. Uh, you on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast, the review can be just a sentence or two, can be more, but doesn't have to be. And thank you for subscribing, rating, and reviewing. Few things about the Commanders' 2022 season were as disappointing as their offensive line. Uh, the complete collapse, the total cratering, the falling off the cliff of the Commanders' offensive line this past season was a huge problem. Uh, Washington's offensive line in the 2020 season was surprisingly good. 
Washington's offensive line in the 2021 season was surprisingly great. Washington's offensive line in the 2022 season was surprisingly bad. Just consider ESPN's win rate metrics for offensive line play. Team pass block win rate. Washington finished the 2021 regular season number nine in the NFL in team pass block win rate. The Commanders finished the 2022 regular season at number 27 in the NFL in team pass block win rate. Big time follow. Uh, Team run block win rate. Washington finished the 2021 regular season number one in the NFL in team run block win rate. The Commanders finished the 2022 regular season number 19 in the NFL in team run block win rate. Big time fall off. Uh, We, as Washington fans, do not have many things on which we all agree, right? Uh, But one thing on which we pretty much have had universal agreement is that the commanders this offseason need to rebuild their offensive line. Well, here we are one day into the NFL's legal tampering period in the 2023 offseason and the rebuilding of the offensive line, the reconstruction of the offensive line, the reimagining of the offensive line has begun. The commanders on Monday afternoon, per multiple reports, agreed on contracts with two unrestricted free agent offensive linemen, guard slash tackle Andrew Wiley and center slash guard Nick Gates. Uh, I am not going to go crazy with these acquisitions. Uh, It may be that only Wiley is a starter for the commanders. Gates may be more of a depth guy, but each guy has started plenty of NFL games. And while each guy has struggled at times, each guy also has demonstrated an ability to play at a high level. Uh, Each guy is positionally versatile. Each guy is in his 20s. And each guy was signed to a very reasonable contract. What did we talk about on Monday's show, episode 526, how the first few days of NFL free agency are a sucker's game with all of these teams giving out all of these big money contracts that inevitably will not work out? Well, the commanders this year did partake in day one of the NFL's legal tampering period, but uh, they swam in the shallower waters and gave out two offensive line contracts that are not what you would call big money contracts. Uh, Andrew Wiley's contract is a reported three-year, $24 million deal. Nick Gates's contract is a reported three-year deal with a max value of $18 million and $8 million guaranteed. The 2023 season will be Andrew Wiley's age 29 season. He entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of Eastern Michigan with the Indianapolis Colts in May 2017. He, in 2017, spent time with the Colts, Cleveland Browns, and Los Angeles Chargers before being signed by the Kansas City Chiefs in December 2017. He, over the following five seasons, 2018 through 2022, was with the Chiefs and started 59 of their regular season games, starting at both right tackle and right guard. Uh, Wiley, this past season, what was, of course, the Chiefs' 2022 Super Bowl championship season, started all 17 of the Chiefs' regular season games and all three of the Chiefs' postseason games. He started all three of those postseason games at right tackle. He would seem to be better suited at right guard 
than at right tackle, but he did do well at right tackle in the Chiefs' win over the Philadelphia Eagles in Super Bowl 57 this past February 12th. So in the biggest game of the season, Andrew Wiley excelled at right tackle. Remember, one of the themes of Super Bowl 57 was the great job that the Chiefs' offensive line did against the Eagles' great pass rush. Well, Andrew Wiley was a big part of that. And of course, Andrew Wiley is very familiar with the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, who spent the last 10 seasons as an offensive assistant with the Chiefs, including the last five seasons as Chiefs' offensive coordinator. What would seem to be the case is that Andrew Wiley and Samuel Cosme are your projected starters on the right side of the commander's offensive line for the 2023 season with perhaps Wiley at right guard and Cosme at right tackle. Obviously, a lot can change, but as things stand right now, that would seem to make sense. Wiley and Cosme are part of your starting commander's offensive line with those two guys making up your right side. As for Nick Gates, uh, the 2023 season will be Gates's age 28 season. He's a guy who we have seen many times. So the New York Giants signed Gates as an undrafted free agent at Nebraska in May 2018. He spent his 2018 rookie season on the reserve injured list due to a foot injury. He then, over the next four seasons with the Giants, 2019 through 2022, started 29 regular season games, including all 16 of the Giants games in the 2020 regular season, uh, during which he was the Giants starting center. And for pro football focus, allowed no sacks and just 16 pressures. Yeah, Nick Gates did a nice job as the Giants starting center in the 2020 season. Uh, However, he does have a gruesome injury history, and that history is thanks to something that happened at FedEx Field. Uh, Gates in Washington's 30-29 walk-off win over the Giants at FedEx Field on Thursday Night Football on September 16th, 2021, suffered a broken left fibula and tibia. And if that sounds familiar, broken fibula and tibia, uh, that should, because broken right fibula and tibia, uh, those are the injuries that uh, then Redskins quarterback Alex Smith famously suffered in November 2018. Uh, Gates ultimately underwent seven surgeries for what happened to him at FedEx Field. Uh, Now, Alex Smith underwent 17 surgeries. So seven surgeries ain't nothing by Alex's standard of 17 surgeries. But yeah, Nick Gates's left leg got ravaged in a game at uh, our wonderful, lovable palace of a home stadium, FedEx Field. I tell you, the list of season-ending leg injuries that have been suffered at FedEx Field over the years is like a mile long. Anyway, Nick Gates did come back and play this past season. Gates, in the 2022 regular season, started eight games for the Giants as he started at both center and left guard. It may be that the commanders are signing Nick Gates for depth for the interior of the offensive line, especially with guards Wes Schweitzer and Trey Turner and centers Tyler Larson and Nick Martin, all unrestricted free agents. But I do wonder if Nick Gates might be being signed to challenge or at least serve as insurance for the man who has been Washington starting center for years, but who also has had a very hard time staying healthy the last two seasons, Chase Roulier. Uh, Roulier in the 2021 regular season played and started in just eight of Washington's 17 games. He and the loss 
at the Denver Broncos on Halloween 2021, suffered a season-ending fractured left fibula and suffered damage to his left ankle. And Roulier in the 2022 regular season played and started in just two of the commander's 17 games. He suffered a right knee injury in the loss at the Detroit Lions at week two. Chase Roulier became Washington's starting center beginning with the 2018 season. He, from the start of the 2018 season through the 2020 season, started 46 of a possible 48 regular season games. He had been very durable, but Roulier has had a really rough time the last two seasons in terms of injury. And Washington, in each of the last two seasons, due to injuries to Roulier and Tyler Larson, has found itself down to third and fourth string centers in guys like Wes Schweitzer and Nick Martin and Keith Ismail. Now, I know what you're probably thinking. So the commander's plan would be to replace Chase Roulier with a guy, Nick Gates, who underwent seven surgeries on his left leg. And I hear you on that. But, you know, it doesn't have to be that Gates is here to replace Roulier. It could be that Gates is here to, like I said earlier, serve as insurance for Roulier. Because at this point, you can't just assume that Chase Roulier is going to go back to being durable. Uh, I expect a good bit more for the commander's offensive line this offseason. And there still are plenty of questions that need answering. Is left guard Andrew Norwell going to be cut? Uh, To what extent is Charles Leno Jr. safe as the starting left tackle? Uh, A lot of mock drafts have had the commanders taking an offensive lineman with their number 16 overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. Do the commanders go down that path? But for now, one day into the NFL's legal tampering period, the offensive line fixing has begun. All right, let's talk commander's defense of what went down on Monday, what was day one of the NFL's legal tampering period. The commanders are getting a new linebacker, Cody Barton. Uh, We on Monday evening had multiple reports that the commanders had agreed on a contract with unrestricted free agent linebacker Cody Barton. Uh, The contract is a reported one-year fully guaranteed deal. The 2023 season would be Barton's age 26 season. The Seattle Seahawks took Barton in the third round of the 2019 NFL draft at Utah. He offers four seasons with the Seahawks, 2019 through 2022, started 16 games, including starting 11 of the Seahawks, 17 games in the 2022 regular season. I know that there is a question of, hey, does this mean that the commanders are not re-signing Cole Holcomb, who's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, I would not take this to mean that. Uh, It could end up being that the commanders do not resign Cole Holcomb. But what I would take this Cody Barton acquisition as is the commanders now being less likely to resign John Bostic, uh, who is an unrestricted free agent. Uh, Cody Barton would seem to be more of a depth guy than like an obvious starter guy. Uh, you know, there were some big money linebacker contracts on Monday per reports. How about the Virginia Tech product? The Hokie, Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, he reportedly agreed on a massive unrestricted free agent contract with the Chicago Bears. Four years, $72 million, $50 million guaranteed. So I suppose that it could be that Cole Holcomb is becoming too pricey. But, you know, Holcomb is not Tremaine Edmonds. And Holcomb is coming off an injury marred. 2022 season. Holcomb in the 2022 regular season played in just seven of the commander's 17 games due to a foot injury. 
Uh, we on Monday afternoon had two depth moves for the commander's secondary. Uh, the commander's claimed corner Cam Dantzler Sr. off waivers from the Minnesota Vikings and unrestricted free agent corner Danny Johnson reportedly agreed to re-sign with the commanders. Uh, Cam Dantzler Sr. is a guy worth taking a flyer on. The 2023 season would be just his age 25 season. The Minnesota Vikings took Dantzler in the third round of the 2020 NFL Draft at a Mississippi State uh, so he played in college with Commander's Edge defender Montez Sweat. Uh, Dantzler opens three seasons with the Vikings, started 26 games. The Vikings this past Friday did wave Dantzler. Uh, the Vikings have been in the midst of a roster purge, and uh, Camp Dantzler Sr. was part of that purge. He this past season played a good bit for a Vikings defense that was not good. Uh, Dantzler in the 2022 regular season played on 43.5% of the defensive snaps for a Vikings team that finished uh, number 26 in the NFL and pass defense for Football Outsiders DVOA metrics. So, you know, this is not a guy who has been pristine as an NFL player, okay? There are flaws, but Cam Dantzler over his first two NFL regular seasons, 2020 and 2021, allowed a passer rating into his coverage of just 82.5 per pro football focus, and he is a bigger corner. He's listed as being 6'2", so I have no problem with the Commanders taking a chance on Dantzler. Uh, meantime, the Commanders re-signing of Danny Johnson. Uh, the contract is a reported two-year deal with $2.75 million guaranteed. Uh, Washington re-signing Danny Johnson as an unrestricted free agent has become an annual thing. Uh, this now is becoming the third consecutive offseason in which Washington re-signs Johnson as an unrestricted free agent. But, you know, this also is a wise thing. Uh, Danny Johnson had a good 2022 season. The commanders in March 2022 re-signed Johnson as an unrestricted free agent. Uh, this past August 30th in the cut down to 53 did release Johnson, but they then, the next day, August 31st, signed Johnson to their practice squad. The commanders on October 25th signed Johnson from the practice squad to their active roster, and he ended up playing a good bit the rest of the season. Danny Johnson in the 2022 regular season ultimately played in 11 games with four starts and on 28 0.07% of the commander's defensive snaps, and he played well. Uh, Johnson, for the 2022 regular season, ranked tied for number two on the commanders in past defenses with nine, and he registered an overall grade for pro football focus of 81. Uh, PFF grades are on a scale of zero to 100. So the commanders re-signing Danny Johnson is a nice depth move. Uh, the 2023 season uh, will be Johnson's age 28 season and uh, would be his sixth consecutive season with Washington. The Redskins signed Danny Johnson as an undrafted free agent at a Southern University in April 2018. He has been cut by Washington, but he has consistently found his way back to the team's 53-man roster. And, you know, he has had this, like, knack for emerging in the second halves of seasons. Not unlike receiver Cam Sims, uh, but consider what happened with Johnson in 2021. Washington in the 2021 offseason non-tendered Johnson, who had been set to be a restricted free agent, but then Washington in March 2021 re-signed him as an unrestricted free agent. Washington on August 31st, 2021 released Johnson in the cut down to 53, but the team on September 1st, 2021 signed him to its practice squad. 
Uh, Washington on October 5th, 2021, signed Johnson from the practice squad to the active roster, and Johnson ended up playing a good bid as the 2021 regular season went on. He had not played on a regular season defensive snap for Washington since December 22nd, 2019, but he started playing quite a bit on defense as that 2021 season went on, really beginning with the loss at the Green Bay Packers in week seven. Uh, Danny Johnson can play both as a nickel corner and as an outside corner. He's a good guy to have around, and he has done a great job of sticking around, uh, and the commanders are bringing him back. And speaking of being brought back, uh, the commanders on Monday afternoon officially announced having signed interior defensive lineman Deron Payne to a contract extension. Yes, the deal now is official. A reported four-year, $90 million extension. I went in-depth on that on Monday's show episode 526. You know, something with Duran that I did not make mention of on Monday's show that I do want to say now, he had his great 2022 season despite playing on a sky-high number of snaps for an interior defensive lineman. Duran Payne for the 2022 regular season was number three on the commanders in defensive snaps at 86.97%. Compare that with the previous season. Duran in the 2021 regular season played on 75.61% of Washington's defensive snaps. So it's not just that Duran played really well in 2022. He played really well despite playing a lot and he continued to not miss games. Uh, Duran, over his five NFL seasons, has played in 81 of a possible 82 regular season games. Uh, Duran did a virtual press conference on Monday afternoon, and I thought that this was interesting. Uh, this was Duran on his approach to the 2022 season, which he played under the terms of the fifth-year option in his rookie contract. Uh, and then you'll hear multiple follow-up exchanges. I know my agent, he probably wanted me to um, probably go a different route last year than, um, than to play out my fifth-year option, but I just told him that I will, uh, that is something that I wanted to do, and I wanted to uh, just go out there and ball and show the team what I could do, and I just put my best foot forward and uh, went out there had a whole bunch of fun, and uh, now I'm in the position that I am in now. Why was it important for you to play out that fifth-year option? I mean, I didn't want to, but they they didn't offer me a deal, so I, it just it, it left me no choice. So I just wanted to uh, just go out there and uh, and ball honestly. Ron, what do you think your agent would have preferred you do if they didn't offer a deal? Uh, what you talking about last year? Yeah, you said you think your agent would have preferred you go in a different. I'm route. just talking like OTA wise, like you know how I showed up to OTAs and training camp and all those things, I, he probably would have wanted me to go a different route, but I, he's, he's, he let me do my do things how I want to do it, and um, I wanted to be here for the team, and I wanted to be around the guys and do all, do all the stuff with the team. And I was going to ask you, why was it important for you to do to do that? I mean, because it's what I like to do. I like, I like playing football. I like being around the guys. I like making memories and uh, just going out there competing with them. All right. So a few things right there. First of all, Deron Payne confirmed that the commanders last offseason didn't even offer him a contract extension. Uh, that really is something when you think about it. I mean, even with him over his first four NFL seasons having been an inconsistent player, he still overall had been a pretty good player. And to not even offer him a contract extension at all 
boy, I really still don't get that. Uh, but second of all, Duran essentially said that his agent wanted him to no-show at least some of the commander's off-season program last off-season. But as best as we can tell, he was at least a pretty regular participant in the program. Uh, so good for him for that. Uh, I do have a lot of respect for that. Well, something else that you got to respect are a great pair of sunglasses like Shady Rays. Get yourself some Shady Ray sunglasses and use the promo code ALGALDI. Shady Ray sunglasses, they look good, they feel good. Shady Rays, it is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's affordable and durable with clear optics for whatever you're doing outside. And Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements, meaning that if you lose or break your pair of sunglasses, even on day one, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair of sunglasses, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because Shady Rays has your back long after your purchase. Here's a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Yeah, 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you don't love them, you can exchange them for sunglasses that you do love or you can return your sunglasses for a full refund Within 30 days, there's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Shady Rays always has your back. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. If you have been thinking about getting new sunglasses, now is the time. And Shady Rays is the way. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. That's ShadyRays.com and use the code ALGALDI for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Also, Shady Rays has done some great work, has donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Shady Rays, look good and feel good. As many of you know, I went to the University of Maryland, graduated in 2001. Best eight years of my life. No, just kidding. Uh, I graduated in four years. But when I was at Maryland, the Terrapins making the NCAA tournament was a given. Uh, the Terps made the NCAA tournament in each of 11 consecutive years, 1994 through 2004. The Terps, over those 11 NCAA tournament appearances, made seven Sweet 16s and two Final Fours and won a national title. Uh, the Terps this season are in the NCAA tournament for a sixth time over the last eight seasons in which we have had an NCAA tournament. Remember, no NCAA tournament in 2020. Thank you, COVID. Uh, but the Terps have made the Sweet 16 just once since the start of the 2003 2004 season. What's going to happen with the Terps in this year's NCAA tournament, uh, which they have made in their first season with Kevin Willard as head coach? Uh, Maryland is an eight seed, will face nine seeded West Virginia at Legacy Arena at the Birmingham Jefferson Convention Complex in Birmingham, Alabama, Thursday afternoon at 12.15 in the very first game of the Thursday of the first round of the NCAA tournament. I am very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast right now, the man who was the Terps head coach during their run of making the NCAA tournament in each of 11 consecutive years. He is the all-time leader and head coaching wins for Maryland basketball. He is a member of both the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame and the College Basketball Hall of Fame. He is the co-host of his own podcast, 
the DC Coaches Basketball Podcast. And he was someone who was very good to me in that first Final Four season for the Terps with him as head coach, the 2000-2001 season, because I used to interview him prior to games as part of my duties calling Terps games for the mighty student radio station, WMUC. I shiver at the thought of how horrendous my questions must have been. He, of course, is Gary Williams. You can follow him on Twitter at GaryWilliams02. Coach, it is great to talk to you. How are you? I'm great, Alan. I really look forward to this. Uh, We haven't talked for a while, so it's always good. Well, thank you for that. Uh, Very much appreciate you coming on. I don't think that it's hyperbole or like a homer take to say that Maryland this season has been one of the biggest surprise success stories in college basketball. Are you surprised at the season that the Terps are having? Well, I think they were picked... Tenth in the big in the Big Ten before the uh, you know with the preseason polls and everything. Um, I, I was really concerned because with the transfer portal now, when there's a coaching change, the first thing you have to do when you come in is try to keep players in the program. And I didn't know how many players would stay, how many would leave, and then when you bring in new players, you have to get the veteran players to understand that the new players coming in, that that doesn't automatically mean that they're going to play or anything, but we're going to try to put this team together the best way possible. And I think uh, Kevin Wilmer did a great job of that, you know, of keeping guys in the program that might have thought about leaving. And then with the new guys coming in, they were able to blend into a good basketball team. The Terps' biggest rank to me is their defense. You coached plenty of Maryland teams that were good defensively. What has stood out to you with the Terps' defense this season? Well, you're you're right, Al, about the defense. I thought, uh, first of all, they were aggressive. You know, they didn't sit back and, you know, let teams come after them. They went after the uh, you know the other team, and I think all good defensive teams do that. They, they attacked in some way, whether it's half court or full court. And, uh, what Maryland did, they used pressure. Um, not just to try to steal the ball or anything in the backcourt like, uh, you know, we used to do quite a bit, but they used it to really try to make teams run some time off the shot clock so that when they got the ball over half court, um, they only had maybe, you know, 18, 19 uh, seconds to run their offense. And that really helps your drop back defense because if you can take away their first option when they run their offense, then all of a sudden the shot clock's down and in college – Players don't always play well with a low shot clock. In other words, it gets under five. There's a tendency to take a bad shot. And uh, I think Maryland did a great job of using uh, that style of defense this year. Yeah, very much so. We also have seen the Terps this season offensively play with pace, uh, something that uh, a lot of us in recent seasons have been wanting to see more of. Is that what you've seen, the Terps getting back to pushing things offensively? Yes, and um, I think that's one of the things uh, Kevin Willard said when he came in and took over. He said, we're, we're going we're gonna to shoot the ball quickly. It might not be the best way to play f- for the team all the time this year, but it, it's going to establish a way that we're going to play this year in the future. And I think that's important you know, in terms of players that you might want to recruit to see that type of style of play. Uh, Maryland was not a great three-point shooting team, uh, especially on the road this year. But at the same time, I think you got a pretty good preview of how uh, they want to run their offense in the future. And, and it's uh, it's a good way to play if you're uh, uh, a player, even the uh, 
inside players get a chance to uh, touch the ball a little bit on the perimeter in today's game. I think that's important for players that they have that uh, opportunity. You mentioned Maryland this season not being a good three-point shooting team, especially on the road. (laughs) This home road thing really is something. The Terps in the regular season went just one and nine in Big Ten road games versus 10 and oh in Big Ten home games. Why does this team have this massive home road discrepancy? It's hard to remember a Maryland team that has had anything like this. I, I, you know, I was trying to think of that question myself, you know, as time went by and, you know, saw how well they played at home. I mean, Xfinity and the students were on campus. It was a great home court this year. I was at most of the home games in the Big Ten and it was pretty wild in there. It was good, you know, and the students were great. But you get on the road and I think what enters into play is the fact that it is a relatively new team in, in terms of putting things together. You know, back in the day, you had players that stayed two, three, four years. And in, the, in those cases, you build a certain bond with each other, a certain toughness that you can't do that in just, you know, a couple months before the season starts or whatever. That's got to be an ongoing process. And I think that hurt Maryland a little bit. And they played a lot of close road games. A lot of those scores were, you know, with, you know, one possession, two possessions at the end of the game. So I, I think, um, you know, that that'll change as time goes by, but, you know, it really was strange this year. I, I don't think I've ever seen a bigger discrepancy between home and road uh, like Maryland had this year. It really has been bizarre. Uh, let's get to some individual Maryland players. You played point guard at Maryland. Uh, the school has a history of great point guards. Jameer Young, he has had a very nice season as the Terps point guard. Uh, what do you make of his season? Well, I hadn't seen him play. I, I think he transferred from uh, Charlotte. and I hadn't seen him play uh and I didn't see him play at the map. He was a local, you know, in high school. But where he's really good is uh, his ability to get people the ball. But not not just that. But he seems to uh, be able to get the ball to the player that needs to get the ball. In other words, if a good player hasn't touched it a couple times down court, that player gets the ball and has an opportunity to score. And it, it keeps everybody in the game. And, you know, it, it makes you tougher to cover. Plus, he was a threat, you know, and there, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he could dribble, penetrate and if you didn't help on him, uh, he would score. And if you did help, he was a very good passer out of the dribble penetration. So he gave you what a, a point guard should do with his team, which is, you know, make your offense better. That, that's his first job, whether he scores a lot of points uh, and Young did score a lot of points. But his first job is to make your offense as a team better. And I think that's his biggest plus for Maryland this year. The rise of Julian Reese as this Maryland season has gone on has been terrific to see. The concern, of course, is the foul trouble. Uh, He was in foul trouble in each of the Terps' two games in the Big Ten tournament. As the Terps prepare for West Virginia in the NCAA tournament, how does Reese continue to ascend but not continue to get into foul trouble? Well, I I think he he has really made a great deal of progress and that'll continue. He needs to get a little stronger, which, you know, with the way the, the way training is nowadays, I think that's going to happen for sure. Uh, his fouls, if he just had fouls that were for going after a loose ball rebound and banging into people, that's one thing. But some of his fouls were just touch fouls for an inside player. He wasn't really aggressive, but he'd, he'd kind of like catch the ball in one hand and push off with the other hand. Well, you can't do that. It's too easy for a referee to make that call. You, you don't want to give him 
give the referees those calls. Hey, if two guys go for the ball and there's a lot of banging going on, they usually let that go in today's game. So um, I think that's the benefit of playing so much this year, now being in the NCAA tournament. He'll learn that. You know, he, he's a smart kid. He'll, he'll learn how to avoid that third foul early in the game, maybe late in the first half or early in the second half, because that changed the way he played. Once he got into foul trouble, he got a little tentative. So he's got to learn how to stay out of foul trouble. And if he just if he just gets rid of his fouls that don't really don't mean anything, that don't affect the game, they're just careless fouls, he'll be fine. He'll really uh, be able to be on the court all the critical times for Maryland. I would think that one of the hardest things for a basketball coach is gauging what to do with a good player in foul trouble, because obviously you don't want the guy to foul out, but you also don't want to reduce the guy's playing time to where he ends up not playing as much as he could have played. Like, it's always funny to me when a player picks up a few early fouls and his playing time for the game ends up being cut like 30-40% and he finishes with only, say, three fouls. This would seem to be a uh, rather difficult balancing act for a coach. Yeah, it's it's um, you have to know your player, um, how he is. You know, if, if I had a player, he got two fouls in the first five minutes of the game. I take him out right away and just sit him down and talk to him and just say, "Look, you know, you're a good player. You know what's going on. Uh, you know how the referees calling the game now. Just settle down, and I'll get you back in there." So two, three minutes later, maybe with uh, twelve minutes left in the first half get him back in the game and you know a, a lot of times I see coaches take a guy out in that situation and sit him the rest of the half and the problem is he's only got two fouls you know he, he's got he, this the second half yeah he's got 20 minutes to play but that's it what about those you know other 15 minutes in the first half yeah. and I agree with you yeah. you know you got to play you you you, you you've got to put that guy in and say hey you, you got to be tough enough to to not get a cheap foul and whatever. And if he gets his third foul, you just take him out and then you don't play him the rest of the half. But at least try If he's one of your best players, well, you, you have to get him on the court sometime in that first half against a good team or else you're going to lose the game in the first half. And see, so you can't lose the game in the first half. If he, if he fouls out in the second half, okay, that's one thing. But you can't lose the game, get down 10-12 against a good team because he's on your bench most of the first half. Uh, Dante Scott, when he's on, he has been great, oh, yeah. but it, you know, it's been an up and down year. You know it. How do you get him to be on in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, you just say a lot of prayers. Game, you know? <laughs> I hope he's. I hope this is one of his days. And you're right. I mean, when he's on, he's one of the best players in the Big Ten. There, there's no doubt about it. But there's games where he gets one field goal or something like that, and I think he. You know, as a senior, he, he's a senior this year. And I think going into the NCAA tournament, this has got to be a big thing for him because there's no way after what happened last year that those guys probably thought they were going to make the NCAA tournament this year. So he's got he's to be a senior. He's got to carry the team. He's got to help carry the team, you know, against West Virginia in the first-round game. And I think he's really looking forward to that because – He'll take the challenge. I, I've got I've got a lot of faith in him. He's uh, I'm from the Philadelphia area, and he's a tough guy from Philly. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. But I'm 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 really counting on him to play a great game. 
Terps certainly could use that come Thursday afternoon. We're talking Maryland basketball with the greatest head coach in Maryland basketball history, Gary Williams. Uh, Before we get to the matchup with West Virginia, what do you think about Maryland playing so early on Thursday afternoon, 12-15 Eastern in Birmingham, Alabama? Uh, we we played in uh, Wichita one year, and you know they're in the Central Time Zone, and we had uh, what was a twelve o'clock game out there, a twelve noon game, but it was eleven back east. So you know that 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 was tough to do, but at the same time, you you play in a gym that's probably not going to be very full for an NCAA tournament game, and you're going to have to create the toughness, the uh, atmosphere yourself as a team. And I think Maryland's played pretty well on neutral courts. They haven't played well. They played well up in uh, Connecticut early in the year. Uh, and they, they've got it. I think this is to their advantage to play in that situation right now. So, you know, the, the way things go on, because you, you wouldn't want to play in a place where it was, you know, the Mountaineer fans could get there a lot easier than the Maryland fans could. And I think in this case, you know, there'll be at least as many Maryland fans there as West Virginia fans, and probably not a lot of other fans. They'll gradually stream in for the second game, whatever game that is. But, you know, that, that'll be a neutral court for sure. So West Virginia went to 7-11 and 11 in the Big 12 in the regular season, but is a nine seed in the NCAA tournament. The Mountaineers are number 15 in Division One in KenPalm.com's adjusted offensive efficiency. Uh, what do you think about West Virginia as a matchup for Maryland? I think it's interesting because you're seeing a team that really struggled on the road, just like Maryland did and played well at home as the year went on. And uh, so, you know, two similar situations for that. West Virginia with Bob Huggins, obviously he knows what he's doing. Uh, And they play very physical, tough defense. I remember the game with Maryland in the NCAA tournament uh, in the the uh, mid-teens there. And it was a very physical game. In fact, I think they knocked Mellow Trimble out of the game that game, and uh, that really hurt Maryland. So Maryland's got to, you know, get ready. But playing in the Big Ten, you play against physical teams. I mean, you play Purdue, Indiana teams like that. They're pretty physical. So, you know, that that's preparation. I think what, what it's going to come down to, both teams have struggled scoring at times. And I think whichever team can score on a consistent basis has the best chance to win because it, it is a very close game looking at it before they play. West Virginia's head coach still is Bob Huggins. Uh, This is his 16th season as Mountaineers head coach. He now has been West Virginia's head coach for as many seasons as he was Cincinnati's head coach. Uh, Do you know Bob Huggins? Know him well. Okay. Uh, He's he's one of the old, uh, you know, tough guys uh, left in coaching, especially, you know, lately with uh, Beheim, Krzyzewski, those guys leaving. And so uh, Bob will have him ready to play. You know, there's no doubt about it. And he, he really demands players to play hard all the time. I mean, he's not afraid to take anybody out on his team if they don't play hard. So um, you got to go for 40 minutes, but it's the NCAA. You, that's, you know, you, you play all year to get there, and, and now you, you just let everything go. And the great thing about the NCAA tournament, which always sold my teams for us, it's one game. You know, that's all the NCAA tournament is. you got to beat West Virginia. Nothing else matters who you play that second game or anything. Because if you don't, obviously you go home. So you might as well expend everything you have in that first game. 
You just hit on something that really is undeniable in college basketball right now, this transition away from superstar head coaches who were around for so long. And, you know, I include you in that territory, but, you know, you, Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams, Jim Beheim, etc. What do you think about where we are with college basketball head coaches right now? Yeah, I mean, the game is always identified. Uh, the thing with college basketball as opposed to the NBA, uh, college coaches stayed programs a long time that they're successful uh, in the past. There, there's no doubt about it. Um, in the NBA, you know, coaches come and go a lot quicker um, sometimes in, in the NBA. So uh, now you're seeing more young guys. There, There's a lot more money just in the last 10 years since I've been out. Uh that's there for coaches and if you know it's up to these guys to establish themselves mark few has done a good job of that out on the west coast at uh, gonzaga and you know a few others are around there. matt painter at purdue is a pretty good example of a guy that looks like he's going to be there you know 25 years whatever and but there's not as many there, there, there's no doubt about it now there may be because uh, you, you know with you know, the Roy Williams, Krzyzewski, Beheim, uh, people like that that have left the game. Uh, there's room for guys to step up. And, and Huggins is certainly one of those guys in that former category that you can put in there. But after that, you know, there's not a lot of guys. So now it's up to these guys. Uh, the Tom Izzo, he's probably, you know, got a few more years in him. But that's that'll be about it when he leaves. So by the way, him going to 25 straight. NCAA tournaments. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. You know, when you when you think about injuries, when you think about uh, nowadays transfer portal, you know, to get your team there 25 straight times, that's just incredible. I got one more for you. So you stepped down as Maryland head coach in May 2011. Probably the two biggest changes in college basketball since your time as Terps head coach are the phenomenon of the transfer portal and the phenomenon of NIL deals, name, image, and likeness. Have these changes been good or bad for college basketball? No, I don't, I don't think they're good for college basketball, being honest. I, you know, what happened was the NCAA, I thought, really made a mistake by not changing the scholarships for football and basketball players. They're, they're the two revenue providers, and especially football. And You know, those guys come on campus. A lot of times they have no money, and they're, okay, you're given a scholarship. Well, that's great, but, you know, that doesn't help you financially at all. And there could have been a gradual thing where you increase the value of the scholarship as time went on, but the NCAA didn't do that, so all of a sudden – you know, some people got involved, Congress got involved, and they just opened it up. It's the wild, wild west, and hopefully that's going to change in a year or so where anything goes. But right now, you know, that NIL is it, its supposed to be for name, image, and likeness. You could pay for that, but, you know, we all know it's, it's being used as a way to recruit players. I'll give you more money than School X will give you, and that's not what it was supposed to be, but that's the way it is right now. And the transfer portal... You know, uh, you know the argument is well. It's great kids have a chance to uh, to go right away if they if they don't have a good experience and all, all those things. But at the same time, kids are using the transfer portal. They go in the portal and just to see what school will give them what <laughs> amount of money if they transfer. And so that's not the purpose of the transfer portal. Yeah. The, the the portal was so you know kids weren't taken advantage of at a particular school, but that that's not what it's used for. And I, I think uh, it's here. I, I don't think you go back on that. That's, that's can be the problem, but there has to be stricter enforcement of the NIL rules. You're supposed to be, 
you know, in return for the money that the kid's given, he's supposed to be doing stuff. And that's not happening anywhere. So um, the rich are going to get richer unless there's some changes made with uh, the NIL. Yeah, it's almost become like free agency in a professional sport. Hey, at least the, the, the NBA has a salary cap. Yeah, a salary cap <laughs> that's, that's true. That's a great point. Well, the great Gary Williams, uh, he went 29-16 and 16 in NCAA tournament games as a college basketball head coach. Not bad. Coach, thanks a lot for your time and all the best. Well, thanks. Continued success for you. Appreciate it. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 528 will include a lot for you on the commanders. We shall see what goes down with them on Tuesday, what is day two of the NFL's legal tampering period. Also on Wednesday show, I'll talk Capitals and Wizards. The camps are at the New York Rangers Tuesday night at seven. The Wiz are home to the NBA worst Detroit Pistons Tuesday night at at 7. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Position flex. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.